0: Listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 52 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Scott, and thank you so much for being here today. Today, we have part two of the roundtable discussion that we started last week, covering topics about what to do if there is a dog fight in your home. And I really appreciate all of the amazing feedback that I got last week from releasing part one of this conversation. Uh, whenever you take the time to to share the episode either on social media or to share with your friends to drop me a line and let me know how much you appreciated this episode like that really means a lot to me and I want you to know that and and I got a ton of great feedback and I made sure to let all of the ladies know as well as Chuck our audio engineer know how much everyone appreciated the episode So first, I want to state that if you haven't listened to part one of the roundtable, I suggest starting there because we're kind of going to pick up in the middle of the conversation where we left off from last time. So you'll have a much better understanding of who everybody is and what their experiences are if you listen to part one first. Um, we're back today with Di and Nikki, who are both amazing dog trainers, whose dogs do amazing things from dog sports and agility to appearing in commercials to trick dog training. Uh, They are both fabulous women who I am so grateful to know. And then we also have Nicole, who is an amazing foster mom. She's had over 50 dogs coming in and out of her house, as well as 40 cats that she's helped find homes for and done all of this while raising her daughter as well. And again, I just want to make sure I give a little bit of a trigger warning before we get started that today we're going to be talking about more of the emotional impact on us humans of dealing with these dogfight situations. And we get pretty intense uh with our emotional discussion and we also talk some about the topic of Nikki's experiences with behavioral euthanasia. And so I just want to make everybody aware of that to take care while you're listening. And uh, towards the end of the episode, we do again talk about some methods for breaking up a dogfight situation that might happen while you're out, say, walking your dog or, or at a dog park. And again, just keep in mind that these are uh, techniques and, and and actions that you would only take in a scary, threatening situation where maybe a dog's life is in danger. And we're not necessarily advocating that you do these things uh, all day, every day uh, with your dog. So in today's part two of the round table, we do immediately start jumping into the emotional impact of dealing with a dog fight situation. You can have guilt and trauma, PTSD, you can have a loss of confidence in yourself and your abilities and your judgment. And you may have to forgive yourself, which I think sometimes forgiving ourselves is the hardest part. Uh, We talk about the dog mom self-care practices that we have done to, to help get us through these hard times. And then we talk about successfully introducing a new dog to your home, all of the do's and don'ts, and make sure that you check the link in the show notes. I'll have uh, a link that'll have some of the do's and don'ts uh, written out for you so that you can save these. You can send your friends to these pages if you know your friend's getting another dog. So we're going to talk about all of the things that you should and should not do when you're introducing a new dog to your home to set everybody up for success in the best way possible. And then we're going to talk about the idea of do dogs just snap, because that's something that, that I've heard many times. And what I believe is that dogs don't ever just snap. They're giving us lots of signals. We just don't always know the signals. And so we're really going to get into uh, what signals to look for, as well as some reasons why it might look like the dog just snaps. And uh, I thought this was was really interesting and really great to have the trainer perspective on. And then the final topic we're going to talk about today is this idea of what do you do when you're out walking your dog through the neighborhood, you're at a dog park, and there's a dog fight situation. So this is not a dog that would be in your home. You know, it's you being approached by a strange dog or dogs who are strangers to you having a dog fight. What are some methods that you can do? How to prepare yourself? Because I will tell you that preparation is a big key in this situation, And I think once you've been in that situation, you always want to make sure that you're never in that situation again. But I hope that even if you've been so fortunate to not have this happen, maybe there are some simple things that you can start doing and have in the back of your mind, should you ever be faced with the situation so you won't panic and so you will be able to successfully handle the situation at hand. All right, now let's get started with part two. So we've touched on this a little bit, but just... When you're in a situation where you've had a dog fight in your house, and I'll speak from experience, like, it's traumatic. I mean, for, like, weeks, every time I closed my eyes, I was, like, seeing it happening. It was like, I legit had, like, a PTSD-type response to it, you know? And especially, like, if you it was unexpected. It's the first time something like this has happened. And so I can understand how people have, like, that knee-jerk, I gotta get rid of this dog right now, or, you know, it's that... Kind of trauma response. And, you know, that did for me go away. And I eventually then threw myself into learning about, like, well, what do I do? How do I manage this? How do I stay safe? Oh, dogs are talking to me through their body language. I went into like trying to learn as much as I possibly could. Dino's, like, I always want to learn everything about everything, especially if it's amazing. Prevent a problem from happening She's ever like again. <laughs> like, I want to just know everything that there is to know. I, you know, I've done a lot of therapy about everything, but you know, I had to work through, like I had guilt about not protecting these dogs. I felt like I had to forgive myself for not knowing enough to have prevented this in the first place. And that was really hard because I think sometimes forgiving ourselves is like the hardest part. There was a lot of emotions to navigate, uh, in this, um, because you guys have experienced these things, and because you're also being, you know, contacted by other people who've, you know, experienced this, whether it's in a training situation or, you know, through the rescue, like, do you have any thoughts on just like how to help navigate all the stuff that comes up emotionally when this happens? Acupuncture. <laughs> I know that's always my answer to everything. Sorry. Did you
1: say drinking? <laughs> oh,
0: okay. I mean, I,
2: I've definitely, I've been in 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 those shoes for sure. I mean, I, I had a dog who got into a, um, a pretty nasty fight with another dog. She redirected on me during that. Um, that's the the dog who you know is, brings the previous discussion to importance for me. Um, and it took me a really long time to. I don't even want to say move past it because it's still, it's very hard yeah. for for me for her. But I think. I have also I did talk to a therapist about it for a little while and of course there's not ever just one thing that you talk to the ther- therapist <laughs> about but um, for me to move past that it really was just time um, finding friends who were able to give me like a now, like this is probably <laughs> unique to having all dog trainer friends but really immersing myself in a in a group of friends that had dogs who hang out in a group and you know could be stable and I could start to bring you know my other dogs around them not all of them um but just and it I mean I, it took me a couple years to really uh, be able like to run social group socials by myself or not you know constantly every every like little snark or wolf i hear i'm turning going out out because i think it's going to be a dog fight so i talked to a therapist i did meditation for a little while acupuncture is a real answer
0: it is oh i thought she was making fun of me no no i recommend it to everyone for everything i wasn't
2: at all i think it ties in with things like i mean for me meditation was a big thing right because Mm -hmm. oh crux of meditation is being able to like notice the way that you're feeling without letting it control you. Would I say that I'm like proficient at that? <laughs> no, definitely not. Die spends lots, lots of time with me. Um, but it definitely has helped me to really be able to ground myself in moments where I, you know, have dogs and maybe not, you know, make something happen that I might not have. And I think time, time and just calming thing so really whatever meditative thing works for you right so like for me meditation where I sit quietly and like you know stare into space or whatever it is that you're supposed to do doesn't work that well and so I find it in in other ways so like taking a really long slow walk with a dog who I don't have to really worry about it's like my 13 year old dog who just plops along beside me and I think just Finding things to do that you can be very successful at and build confidence in yourself and your dog again. And that, Ooh, that can loss take time. of
0: confidence, that was a big yeah. thing. Like, I now mean, it's
2: very hard yeah. for me. I was running group socials by myself prior to that fight happening quite competently. And it took me 18 months, probably, or maybe almost two years before I feel comfortable doing them now and even now i'm very very picky about the groups of dogs i turn out together because i don't <laughs> i don't ever want to be in that scenario yeah. again it was awful um but i think that those things go along with it so similar to anything else where you feel guilt or failure i mean i mean ptsd like symptoms is definitely a thing for me when it comes to dogs interacting so therapy totally viable meditation acupuncture whatever float your boat in that category
1: I think another angle on that is um, one of my situations was um, I I had a foster who we took in knowing that he had some issues and was doing well with me. And my husband was the one responsible for him um, to get him ready to go in his crate before he left the house. And a bite occurred because he didn't proceed in a way that the dog felt comfortable Um, And he's had lots of experience with different dogs. So it was something that just happened. But the end result of it was is this dog had to be put to sleep because he already was known to be a liability. Um, So there was a lot of um, anger, resentment, going along with that. So I think that can happen a lot in the situation too if something goes wrong and you're dealing with your spouse or your child or your dog sitter or somebody having Blame. something like that. Yeah, so it's it, you know, we internalize on ourselves a lot but also learning what to do if if it happens with somebody else and and they weren't doing something the way you would have done it to prevent that. And remembering that
2: dogs are animals mm-hmm. and Things happen, and you know there's there's some. I mean, yes, we can uh, uh, control for a lot of situations, but I think trying to remember that is mm-hmm. you know very important. Yeah. Dogs are are animals; they're not our fur babies. Not infallible humans are not infallible. You know, I mean, yeah. we
3: make mistakes. And I also think it happens more often than any dog owner talks about yep. because of embarrassment. Mm -hmm. because of of whatever, or even some people thinking it's not a big deal. So I think a lot of times people don't talk about it. Um, So it happens. And also, and this is the hardest part for me. I think I've grown Nikki, probably you have too, as a person trying to learn how to adjust our emotions when there might be a tense situation between dogs, because once it happens, and learning how to adjust your emotions when you're around those dogs again, so that you don't learning body language, so your body language doesn't give off right. some hits again. So learning how to deal with that guilt. And I'm serious about acupuncture. It really has kind of grounded me a little bit, if you can believe that. It's, it's also a really good time to meditate
2: during acupuncture <laughs> treatment. Yeah, you can knock off two things at one time. <laughs> but it's like I mean, think it's like, it's like anything else that you feel guilty over you know just takes time and i think talk talking about it is is helpful you know i mean chances are that some one of your friends can at least listen to you talk you know talk about talk out loud about whatever happened
0: and talk you down yeah yeah off the ledge yeah because I was very yeah like I was very yeah. embarrassed I had right. like yeah. just yeah. kind of met all of these dog people and now I felt like I'm this huge idiot that you know like broke right. the cardinal rule of having you know
1: dogs or something like I was like horrified about which is probably why it happens to people multiple times is because they're they're ashamed they don't want to talk about it and so they just forget it happened rather than seeking help yeah because yeah. I like then yeah my response is
0: always I'm going to throw my myself into this so that I can make sure nothing like this ever happens ever again, you know.
2: <laughs> In my scenario, I um lost a couple friends over that situation because um they said things like it sounds to me like you're just justifying what you did. And I'm like I told I think two different people. I said, feel free to drive on down and pick this dog up from my house if you want to live with her for the next 12 years. She's dangerous. Um so, you know, if you try to talk to people about that, and if you're a person who has had this situation, you know, if it's, if it's if it's a fight, if it's a rehum and your group of friends are not supporting you or they're saying nasty things. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that person, you know, I never I, after I had that very brief conversation where, you know, I said, feel free to come and get her. But oh, no. Crickets, nobody right. wanted to pick this animal up for my house because the reality is they don't want to live with it either. Right. They just want to vilify me for having to make a really hard decision.
0: That makes me think of just sort of that social media thing that happens. I don't know where people are always just so quick to react.
1: Oh, right. yeah. Somebody oh, do
2: someone? something. Yeah. yeah. Somebody. somebody do something. Somebody yeah. do, something.
3: Yeah. do something. Do something. Not
2: me. I'm not somebody. I'm not the person. Yeah. No. But you know, like if you are having trouble finding someone to, to, to support you, I mean, get better friends uh, or, 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 or I think talk to a, to a therapist about it, right. Cause they're not going to be there to judge you. But similarly, you know, if the group of people that you would look f- to for support in that is not supporting you, then that's not helpful either. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't chase after those people or try very hard to, you know, make up with them or talk to them anymore because that, I thought that was just an unreasonable response to a situation that was already like, you know, breaking me. Right. So mm-hmm. bye. <laughs> and there's a
0: really good support group that I've heard of yes. for people dealing with behavioral euthanasia. It's it's, it's called, called losing Lulu. Yes. On Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's an yes. excellent
2: Facebook group. Never heard it before. is a grief support group. Yeah. It is not for discussion of, um, whether to make the, decision. whether to make the choice or not it is solely after for afterwards. Fact. Um, and they, they're, their admin team is amazing. As I say, they heavily monitor. They're awesome.
0: That group, um, that group is very helpful. I'll make sure we put a link in the show yeah. notes if anybody needs to.
3: Actually, about. speaking of links, and I, this, it kind of goes with a dog fight after you rescue a dog. There's um, a website, Kirsten always gives us, she, I always forget what the website is, but our friend Kirsten Tolly, who's another dog trainer, talks about rescuesmart.net And it talks about three days, three weeks, three months, and also talks about letting the dog decompress before meeting the resident dog at the house and everything. So that's a really good link to look at for preventative stuff. So maybe preventing a fight before. Oh, did I do something right? Yes, you (laughs) were perfectly on (laughs) that. All right. Um, So it's a great resource to use when you bring a new dog into a home and how to do Proper ad, um, introductions and giving that decompression time, and not taking it to PetSmart the following day and letting it meet all kinds of dogs and, and all family barbecues. Yeah, at the family we
1: just got back from the shelter. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs>
3: so so that's a great website. So I've had people take dogs
2: right. from adoption to family barbecues.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm like, please go home. Yeah, <laughs> skip that. But anyway,
0: yeah, uh, uh, so yeah, again, so that, that just, just goes to like the unreasonable expectation. Yeah, of, like, yeah. yeah, this dog now suddenly <laughs> like, knows. Right. That, Yay, welcome! Yeah our family
2: here's 600 people you had to interact with yeah um, oh <laughs> lastly on a, an emotional impact i would say uh it is totally also viable to spend lots of time just crying over it yeah. and letting you know like just feeling those emotions mm-hmm. i think that goes with oh, yeah. anything yeah. that any any emotional anything is that just feeling feeling trying to like move past and just be like everything is fine I think is doesn't work that well yeah. so yeah. right that would feelings. be my last yeah yeah and, and feel also the feelings
0: uh you know when you talk about uh meditation and stuff like one thing that's been very helpful for me is just sort of realizing that like all emotions are temporary and you know like you can be like in the moment and feel it and you know let the wave pass and getting better at judging. Like I am feeling very angry right now that this person just cut me off in traffic. And it is because I feel like my life has been threatened, but you know, this feeling will pass. (laughs) Uh, Between therapy and meditation, I feel like I have gotten much better at these things. It it only took me 40 some however many years. Sing the frozen
2: song. (laughs) Let it go. go,
0: Yes. (laughs) But yeah, all of our dogs have either come from a shelter or just Kind of ended up with us. <laughs> We've actually never really gone through a whole proper rescue, uh, you know, way of bringing a dog into our house. But I love that, especially for people who are like first time dog owners or or maybe like they have one dog and they want to get a second dog, but they're not maybe super savvy at like knowing how to make sure it's a good fit. I think that's like, those are perfect times to go through a rescue who have really spent time getting to know a dog, have a good process, you know, for, for making sure that this is like a win-win for everyone. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I love this um, website. In fact, you had given that to me a couple months ago, and I okay. remember thinking yeah. they have
3: amazing yeah. information on here. Yeah. They do, and they and and actually, even if you don't do that website, there's a um, uh, many many Google documents out there on a two week shutdown period. Yeah. Yes, um, which amazes me to this day with that information out there. How many dog rescue groups don't give out that information
1: mm-hmm. when it's just right there? I don't think I would be involved with a rescue that didn't,
3: didn't do require, give, And I yeah, know Mary, yeah. Mary's like, no, 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 here's <laughs> yeah, what you do. So
1: yeah, but, I mean, I am a huge proponent for rescue. I am not anti shelter at all. But, um, if, like you said, um, new dog owner, if you have children in the house, if you have small prey in the house if you have another dog um you know usually the basis of rescue is is the dog has lived in a house with situation yeah yeah so you could say well he's lived with me for six months but he's never been exposed to kids or my house we have you have to be kid cat dog friendly to be in our house um so It also, a lot of people will get a dog from a shelter, get home with no guidance, such as a two-week shutdown. Things go horribly wrong immediately because everybody's thrown together and it's a stressful situation. We stopped at PetSmart on the way home. Mm -hmm. And then something happens and it's, oh my God, I can't take this dog back to the shelter. They're going to kill it. Um, So rescue requires that the dogs always come back to them unless there are extenuating circumstances. So I think it, it... Makes people feel a little more comfortable. Again, you are jumping through hoops, you know, some people will say, but there is a lot of reasons for that, you know, no, this dog is not good with cats. We're not going to adopt this dog to you. Well, six cats. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, there's a lot of that. And, and we do personally um, push the two week shutdown as a, Guideline, you know, for not every dog requires the same thing. That could be a two-month shutdown for some dogs. Um,
3: and prior, and bringing your, if you have a dog, doing dog introduction, meet and greets. So that doesn't mean that you bring your dog to this place and let them meet nose to nose immediately. That right. means taking the dog, doing some walks together, um, letting them get. Comfortable around each other. I've first. shown up
1: at a meet and greet to walk down the street and the dog tried to eat the puppy mm-hmm. immediately. So, like, yeah, so your dog's not ready for a friend, <laughs> please heed that <laughs> advice for the next rescue that you're going to contact. But it's not going to be this one, right? Um, yeah, and some of them go right, they, they go, go right, right, um, rescue device. Right. Yeah. So someone who gives you one, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And, and I mean, touch with dog meet and greets, I mean. I've done tons of them and I tell everyone, you know, just like you said, just because they get along great in my yard doesn't mean they're going to share your house well. Right. I have tons of friends who I'm totally happy to hike with or, you know, spend time with and hang out, but I probably don't want to be roommates with them. Right. Right. I like that friend. Totally fine. Out in the wild. I don't want to share kitchen
0: and bathroom space with them. Right. (laughs) Just saying i barely want to share it with my husband <laughs> yeah right
2: right so i mean that's it i i push that with with everyone i mentioned that to, to everyone right it's just saying you know just because your dogs are hitting it off like i i mean i love i slow and steady wins the race um i tell everyone i would rather have my dogs i almost would rather during a dog meet and greet the dogs absolutely not care about each other. Yeah. They're on opposite side of the yard sniffing stuff or maybe trailing along 10 feet apart sniffing things. Um, I actually don't usually prefer for dogs during a meet and greet to hit it off and go, you know, like rumpus roughhousing all around the yard slamming into each other because I think that that lends towards then them getting sick of each other mm-hmm. when they're in the house. Um, that's you know, exactly it's like,
0: what we did when we met Lucy and Kaloa. <laughs> <laughs> we just threw them together. Like, they had a blast. And yeah. that's not and to say like, that, okay. that, that,
2: that some dogs won't be fine with that right i mean that's everything like we said it's, everything's a spectrum and a continuum but um
0: we just did everything wrong yeah. and we, were <laughs> so lucky. we were so lucky that they were best friends Yeah, and,
3: and the problem too is i yeah. think probably we're all pretty jaded because we've seen the worst of the worst yeah we yeah. only see the times so, that right. doesn't work right. so, yeah. so people who
2: it works they don't come yeah. they don't talk to us right
3: today. and the people listening are probably like that's never happened to me
0: and it's like well you've
1: that's, yeah that's
0: Good for you. That's great. Right. That's great. Yeah. Hooray. Hooray. But don't think that that's all dogs was right. the lesson to me. That, yes. that, yeah. that is the that's, Right. Yes.
2: I, I take a long time to integrate dogs into my own pack. Um I mean, months and months or even mm-hmm. like a year. I have a 10-month-old puppy right now who is not loose with every single dog mm-hmm. in my house. A couple of them she will never really be loose with because it wouldn't be fair to, you know, the old dog that she's going to bother – or because I have high performance expectations for her in the future in public, I don't want to risk her having a really poor experience at home and then have her carry that out into the, the world. Um, so slow, slow, slow. I mean, a, a foster dog who I kept because... She's not really adoptable slash I got her at the beginning what? of covid. I never right? I've never heard I of that. got her at
3: the beginning of covid
2: and, you know, things kind of shut down and by the time it was maybe ready, I was like, well, she fits in fine here. That dog I took, I think probably 10 to 12 months to integrate her with with the dogs who she goes out with now. Um everything very controlled. Leash walks together, um being on the opposite sides of a gate, doing place work in the same room where, you know, my existing dogs can see mm-hmm. Oh, Nikki has, you know, mom has control over that new dog. We don't really have to be in charge of her and vice versa. Right. Uh, so slow and steady Wind always. Right. If you take, I tell everyone, you know, you have these dogs, our dogs are going to live 10 to 15 years or whatever it is. You know, hopefully, forever. right. <laughs> <can> <laughs> for, forever forever <laughs> and ever, forever. <laughs> um, you know, you have all that time for your dogs to be best friends. So it's not necessary for them to be best friends in five days, in two days, in one hour over bringing them home. Right. It's just, it's, it's, it's silly to me. Right. So I think if you take the time to build trust between them, you're going to have a much more stable household going forward.
1: I'm in a constant state of new dogs in the house. And like, I have a three story house. New dogs don't see my bedroom level for, for, Two weeks could be three weeks could be, you know, that's my dog's space to go and chill until these new ones learn how to act and learn the rules. Um, and I, about a year ago, added my two-year-old dog who has some health issues and we don't know her whole backstory, but she was shot and paralyzed. So I don't know what her trauma level is. Is so introducing new dogs to her was very scary to yeah. me, um, because I never knew if she had been around another dog. Um, so I still, even after a year, am cautious with how she's going to react to different dogs. Um, she's so and hard done other, good. Other dogs will react to her. Right, right, right. She's, I mean, and she's a whole different. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> she, has her own. she can have her own podcast. See, Aaron, we're
0: just bringing you all kinds of new podcasts. This is why, I like, like, I can just do the podcast forever
1: because I can literally
0: just, know, like, yeah. about a million different things. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but, it, you know, just knowing that they don't need to just come in bouncing off the walls and being part of the whole house. You know, they they can come in and learn this level of the the house. And, you know, you can imagine you let a kid go crazy in a toy store. They're going to go crazy. You know, let's just keep you in this one little area until you, you know, kind of grasp what's going on. Right.
2: I know this, Um, you know, was talking about like how to bring a new dog in the home. So we've all said a lot of things about... What not to what, do, right? But so, so when <laughs> I bring when I bring a new a new dog into my my house, you know, generally I, I'll, I'll if I can, I'll crate them in a separate room um, mm-hmm. to give them that decompression time, mm-hmm. uh, and then over the next couple days, I might move them into a crate that's like in my general crating area. They can see and smell and you know hear each other, uh, but they're not loose together. Then you know the next and then that that dog gets individual time out um, and isn't like loose. And then the next step would be, you know, that dog being on a leash and maybe either attached to me or dragging that leash all the time in the house so that mm-hmm. if something arises where I need to quickly gain control, I don't have to catch the dog. I need to only catch the tail end of a leash that's dragging on the floor. And then, you know, you now, like, of course, I have multiple personalities in my house, so You know, if I have a new dog who's coming in, or like when I have my puppy, the first dog she was out with were the dogs who are the most low key, not going to cause a problem, or are going to be fair with her. And then I'll just kind of slowly increase that. So I think, again, it's a slow and steady situation where it's like, you don't need to just give the dog the keys to the kingdom and say, this is your new home. Welcome. And that applies even if you don't have another dog at home. Absolutely. Right. So people love to bring these dogs home and they're like, yay, you're adopted and your life is great now. And then that dog is given access to every re- resource in the house, the sofa and, you know, 50,000 shoes and toys and bones and all that stuff. And I kind of met that out like as privileges that they can gain. Um, so I think, you know, just the idea of, kind of separation in the beginning. And then, you know, you know, your dogs, so maybe you use a gate or crate them near each other. Um, and then work up to them being kind of like out together. That is my approach to that. And like I said, I do have a couple dogs who are pretty solid for interaction. Um, and so I use them as like the Guinea pigs, um, And I really closely monitor, watch the new dog. How is that dog approaching my old 13 year old lady dog, right? (laughs) Who basically just stands there like a statue at this point. What does that other dog's body language look like? Are they, are their shoulders forward? Is their tail really stiff? Are they coming in low and soft to that dog? And that guides me on how do I, how much interaction I can allow from them. Um, And then you can kind of guide it from there.
1: And absolutely never in the beginning, and there's no time frame on it, you know, I'm getting in the shower can go in the crate while I'm yeah. in the shower yes. like you know separated by rooms not you know you just, you just don't you you haven't learned that dog yet and to what the triggers could be the ups man shows up and then everything happens and you get out of the shower
2: and nothing worse than hearing a dog fight while you're in the shower yeah, yeah. not real super quick to stop it
3: falling on your super fun. <laughs> <'Cause>, um, <laughs> you slipped on the tile I, I didn't know about that i wasn't it's making a <laughs> it's a real thing thing
1: but now I'm like yeah. visualizing so,
3: yeah. <laughs> i'm not <laughs> saying that's happening <laughs> i'm just saying
2: i also pick up um anything that could be of really high value yes. toys shoes, bones um i mean my i have a couple resource guards in my house so we generally do not have you know that stuff littered all over the floor anyway um and i know people who can that's great like <laughs> I have a dog who's like kind of a dragon and she'll put everything in a corner and then lay in front of it. That's um, me now. <laughs> Right? And so I was like, you know, if she's going to do that, then she's miserable. And all the other, you know, she's like, no one can have these toys, but I don't really want to play with them. But nobody
1: else can <laughs> right. have
0: them. So I have, I have this little stuffy guy with us today for Penny because... She doesn't really get to have them a lot at home because Nino right. will hoard yeah. them. Yeah. So it's like a special thing when she gets to <laughs> right. have it. Right. But she loves shoes and slippers and flip-flops. So we have them all over the house like, you know, some are just hers, some are mine, some are Tim's. <laughs> and Nino doesn't care about shoes. Nino loves his ball. We have balls all over the house. Penny doesn't care about You're the but, ball, right. but it's these stuffy guys right. that, right. you know, yeah, those are cause like a problem. Yeah. those are the special like yeah. high-value monitored things. Strug- and I've, food as well, uh, treats yeah. and stuff. But I yeah. pick all that stuff
2: up um, and just tell people, you know, wait till you know those dogs yeah. better and see how they're going to interact before you start giving those, those resources back. And, and a lot of times, I mean, you know, it can work out that they end up being fine sharing stuff, mm-hmm. um, but I don't want to learn that they're not fine sharing stuff you know, two days in. Cause that also those tensions and strains on the dog's relationships, I think can set the tone yeah, for their relationship long-term. Right. Yeah. right. Like if the first time I ever meet die, she punched me in the face. <laughs> right. Like I'm probably not going to be like, well, I think I kind of want to be friends with that person for many years. <laughs> right. right. I'm going to be like, hope I don't ever see her again. Right.
1: A lot of times feeding in the crate can eliminate a lot of problems in the beginning, especially if it's a dog you don't know. Um, don't set it up to be an issue because like, it could just be the dog, you know, as you had said maybe somebody walks in the in the room or maybe this guy looked at this guy's food or, you know, I mean if somebody came over and stuck their hand in my plate and started taking stuff. I'd be pissed. Yeah and, you know, and if it's a dog. <laughs> Unless you, it's my pickle, please get the pickle <laughs> out of no, the
3: Aaron doesn't like pickle or tomatoes. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, food, I think food is a huge issue in the beginning for a lot of integrations into homes and which can easily be avoided by just feeding in the crate. You know, even if your dog doesn't eat in the crate and they're not used to that, the new dog could certainly eat in the crate. We right. do a lot of that in our house. I think for the first two years that we had Nino,
0: we fed them yeah in total different parts of the house. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yep. Just because... Penny, we just wanted to make sure that Penny was okay, because that's one of her things is she doesn't like people or dogs coming up on her while she's eating. Right. right. We were really, really slow about, like, even right. just putting them both so on the you, kitchen, even though they're still on opposite sides of the still, kitchen. Right. Yeah. Um, but everybody's okay with that now. But yeah, right. we were really mm-hmm. slow about that one, just because we knew, you know, she got a little sketchy, you know, with that. Yep. Kind of thing.
1: And she's allowed. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's her yeah. thing. She doesn't have... She's a perfect princess. Yeah. <laughs> <And laughs> Whatever, you know, we need to do. feel I mean, like we're all allowed to have our person. I, th- our I corp- think there's a huge or, thing yeah. that we forget that we are allowed to have the Corpse. things, but, but the dogs are not allowed to have the things. They're right. supposed to be what we perf- want or what right. we think. Right, yeah. right, yeah. I mean, just we're we're not all made to get along. Right. And neither are they. Yeah. And you know, that's just was such a big learning
0: lesson to me just even having dogs in the first place that like they all do just have their preferences you know like Nino loves sleeping with his head on a pillow but penny wants to be under the covers or you know what i mean like (laughs) it's just very funny just how they all have their own little preferences yeah
3: well also i wanted to talk about preventing because you were talking about preventing one of the biggest and scariest things i think you can do to to new dogs, uh, with owned dogs, and not using a crate is leaving them out in the house by themselves yes. together, yes. and then leaving, and then coming home to a bloodbath. A bloodbath. Yeah, because it happens, and or worse. Or worse. Um, yeah, you know. In in, I had two dogs that I swear I'd never have another. I'll never have another pair like them. But it was Snorkel and Riffraff, and they. Two different breeds, a pity and a cattle dog um, who could share everything down to the an inch of felt growling and tugging over it. And they didn't hurt each other. But I never left them out together Correct. by themselves. Yep. Never. Because you just never know what that trigger could be. And snorkel could have ended it very quickly. And I, that's just something I wasn't willing to chance, to chance, mm-hmm. um, and they were the best friends ever. I'll never have another two like them. To the trust I had in the two of them together, but I still wouldn't have left them out by themselves. So,
2: also, no matter how large of a crate you have, please, please do not crate your dogs together in the same kennel. Oh. No matter how crate ever while you're not watching them. Right, I can't even. No, I mean I that never even is... occurred to me. There's, it's. I've met a number of people who will say, "Oh, we have a huge,
1: oh my 50 gosh. some inch
2: dog crate, and we crate the two dogs in there." I'm like, oh god, man. Like, I love my husband a lot, but sometimes I don't even want to be in the same room as him. Yeah. <laughs> if you locked me in a bathroom with him, you know, and said, "You guys can spend the rest of the day in there together," there would be like wow. probably some issues. Um, so that's just. And we I have just kind of fought back in.
3: Have had a story where the one dog did kill the other dog
2: in the crate. So just you know, I'm it's just a thing that to keep in mind. You know, no matter even lo- <laughs> leaving them loose together is one thing, but I've met enough people who crate dogs in the same crate while they're out of the house. That I feel that that warrants. Wow, that. I, more than it's a more than one number, wow. which is wow. enough for me. I don't know. I don't wow. know if that. I don't know. I say that, like, but I,
1: I think some of our events that we've done, <laughs> we would hear be more dogs. Yeah, yeah. They, no, I can totally yeah. see that. But, yeah. And I
2: know people who le- who have like you know huge outdoor runs. You have multiple dogs in there. I think that that's maybe a little bit different, different because there are. But you're saying like that that an inside crate, right? go to, right. but yeah. you know yeah. an an inside kennel. You know, even if you have two little dogs and a huge Great Dane size kennel, I still, I. Tell everyone, I'm like, just get two crates,
0: put them next to each other if you think they're going to be lonely. Yeah. But-
2: Like they don't need to party while they're in there. Yeah. Yeah,
0: It's not necessary. So here's a one that I was thinking of die, especially coming from like pit bull rescue world. Like I always heard, and this is going back 20 years or so now, kind of like the old school pit bull stuff. Like, Oh, you should never have like two female dogs or you should never have two male dogs. And yet I had like Lucy and Kalua who were like the best of friends forever. And, um, you know, so I just always look at it that it's much more individual, and that there's no big hard and fast rule uh, about things like that. And so, I was just curious what you thought about that, or if you had ever heard that.
3: I think Nikki probably has her own opinion. Um, I'll give you mine, and then even Nicole probably has her own opinion. Um, as As I've learned more, I will say, having two females can. Be an issue, um, because I have two terrier females right now with a lot of sass. So um they can be issues. However, each dog is an individual as well, because you had Lua and Lucy and Klua and had no problems at all. So it does boil down to the individual situation, most certainly. Um, I think to, you know, we have a trainer friend that has three male dogs and they get along famously. Um, it does depend on the individual having more female dogs. Like my, my newest puppy is a male because I didn't want to get three females because that's just way too much. And I can say this because I'm a female, but it's way too much hormones. And so look at what you have, look at your situation, look at the individual dog and then decide.
2: Let me say my pack of eight is made up of six females and two males. The dogs that don't get along and can't be loose together are the males. But that being said, Mm -hmm. um, I think my my situation notwithstanding, it is usually as far as I understand, it's usually harder to if you have two females who really hate each other, you're probably not getting them back together. Right. Um, their fights are usually much nastier um more dangerous you know i mean it i guess usually isn't really the the right word and and especially with animals overall not just dogs using words that are like oh it's always like this or always like that is tough because it's really individual um i've had spats between my female dogs and then they recover but that's another reason that I'm really slow with integration because I want to make sure that we don't have long, <laughs> long-standing <laughs> hatred between them. But I think, you know, it's it is very individual. I know lots of people who have all female or all male packs, mm. and they do fine. Um, I think it also has to do with the competency of the owner. Um, I know people with multiple intact male dogs that yeah. do fine. Or they have multiple intact males and multiple intact females. All the dogs do fine, right? But their management is usually on point. So it's it's really tough. I, I know rescues who, who, who maybe don't specifically adopt out like a female dog to to a home that has another female in it um, or vice versa. But I think it really just depends. But aside from my own personal experience in my house, you know, I think generally getting two female dogs to kind of reintegrate after they've had like, you know, one or two like super nasty fights. And we're talking like, you know, they have to be separated and it's, there's injuries or whatever versus, you know, just spats where they're just like ar, 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 over something. And then you can be like, Hey, and the dogs are like, oh, we weren't doing anything. Right. right. Like that's just kind of like a little, they recover from that a little better. So I think it's, I wouldn't call it like, it's not like an old wives cell or anything like that. I think there's validity to it. Um, but I think it really it does matter, and I think you have to again know your dog to know who they integrate with. Like that border collie I was talking about earlier, who doesn't appreciate you know body slamming dogs, um, really does not appreciate the energy of a young adolescent male dog. So, in the opposite of that, I chose a female puppy to add to her because in the past, all the dogs that she's been very good friends with have been equally sassy females who can kind of maybe dole out what she you know meet her on an even level um and so it's almost like for the same reasonings though I chose the opposite sex puppy um, because I felt like when we get to the teenage phase which we're in now like mm-hmm. if I had mm-hmm. Augie my mm-hmm. puppy's brother right um flirt would not be tolerating all of the like dumb young boy things that he does right and then i would probably stand a chance of then having to manage that long term so you know i chose female to add to my females on purpose we'll see in a year or two if i
3: still feel that way
2: (laughs) but for (laughs) now i mean my my females all get along pretty well so it really is a a a spectrum
1: as i say have you had any experience with i've only always had two females um so yeah it just that being said, I you know, I've had two that have fought, but it wasn't the the knockdown dragout fights. it was, right. you know, the they fat, yeah. And I currently work with a rescue that does not adopt out female dogs to households with other females. Um in rescue, there are always exceptions. One of these ladies coming and wanting a female dog is going to be a lot different than an inexperienced dog owner. Who I I haven't always bought into the the two female thing. I think only because I've had two females always. But it's a thing. I mean, it, it is a thing. I think I've just been lucky in in that. But I think two male
2: dogs, you know, they're probably they recover a little bit better, but yeah, if you I have two male that dogs who get into a super serious fight, it's probably gonna be more more damage than, yeah, than, uh, that, but, you know, it's really hard to, uh, really quantify
0: that, I think. So we've talked some about like the body language and what to look for. I guess one of my questions that I always hear is do dogs just snap? You know, I didn't see this coming. And I always think that, no, they were giving signs and the person didn't know that what the signs were. Um, But is that always the case or, you know, are there times when maybe it just came out of nowhere? Uh, You know, maybe they've given signs in the past, but today it was like, today is not the day. Uh, Do you just have any thoughts? Do they snap or or are we just missing the signs?
3: Typically, we miss the signs. Yes. And even as trainers, you can miss the signs because they can be so Uh subtle that we don't pick up or even better, we don't want to see the signs. So we may or we may discount that snark. Mm-hmm. We may discount that body posture that we saw last week or so uh, do dog snaps there. There's a thing called spaniel rage, which I have never seen. And I think that actually is a real thing where they just literally. That's a neurologic. It's a neurological thing. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's not like a. It's not, yeah. It's, it's not behavioral usually. No, and that's what. I, but I just wanted to say. Well, people say I've heard it. It's, it, it's a neurological thing where they they lose their they lose their shit. Um, but it's that's family just, family podcast style. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's <laughs> um, <That's>
0: okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but dogs just don't literally go, oh my god, and lose their and snap. But they can give signs, but they just may be so subtle that it looks like a snap. Mm
2: -hmm. Or it's that the dog has been throwing signals for a long time. Their signals are being ignored. I think this happens um, a lot with like dogs who bite kids. Um, Yes. The dog has been showing for however long walking away, doing all the things, but either, you know, there's no adult supervision with the, the kid and the dog. Kids cannot be expected to read dog's body language, I think, you know, under a certain age. And so it might look like the dog just snapped, but it's usually that the dog has come to a point where you're like, you're not hearing any of the things that I'm saying. So my only option is to put my teeth on you. And that, that's usually when it's like, Oh, he, he's never done that before. Well, he's been trying to tell you for, uh, for weeks, weeks now that, he's uncomfortable um i do think if you have a dog who is that's really outside their behavior i tell everyone medical you "You need to look take that dog to the vet look for pain look for something that's wrong um like if my my 13 year old dog taffy you know like if she were to just like flip off and on one of the dogs for like stepping on her tail or something like that if she were to whip up and like lay into that dog for that i would say oh something is really hurting that dog because she she's she's like a statue super stoic you know i would fall out of my chair if i saw that happen right she corrects dogs sometimes but if she were to like whirl around and lay into someone i would be looking immediately for pain or some kind of um, medical issue. So I think that's probably the only,
1: not the only, but the primary scenario that Mm -hmm. I would Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm.
2: this dog, who's never had a behavioral problem before suddenly bit the crap out of somebody. Yeah. Probably they, they did something you know, something's going on with the dog. I don't think I've
1: ever heard a situation and then it's turned into a snap. Like you can usually dig it out.
2: Or like once, you know,
1: someone will say, oh, he's never done that before, but then they're describing
2: things that happened leading up to it. Like, oh, there's all your signals, but they just got missed. And
3: that goes back to reading body language. Like, oh, my dog's tail's wagging. He's very happy. And it's like, no, sometimes that means that this dog is Mm -hmm. very uh, overgeneralized and is about to lay into another dog. I mean, so- I do, I do have one dog who
2: her signals before snapping or snarking at a dog are really minimal. Um, it's just the one I was talking about earlier. She's not really quite neurologically normal either. So she's not like sick. She doesn't have really like a medical issue, but she doesn't have a lot of like growl or like lip curl. She'll just kind of be like, you know, so I manage, she only does it in a couple situations. Um, so I manage them. But So I'd say there are dogs out there who either may have learned that their signals don't work, and so they've now stopped throwing them, mm-hmm. right? If my dog growls every time I take a bone from him, you know, don't do that. Uh, but, you know, and you say, oh, he's growling, he's growling, and then one day he doesn't growl at all, but he just grabs you. Well, it's because he's been <laughs> growling at you and saying no. Right. And, you you know, so then that person will say, oh, he bit me out of nowhere. Well, not really. So I think if we do see dogs kind of just just snapping, it's usually as a result of them learning that throwing the signals doesn't work. So why bother wasting that energy when you can just skip right to, Mm -hmm. I mean it. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes
3: silence is a signal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. Mm -hmm. So, and those are the more dangerous ones because they've become silent. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: So, you know, when we're looking for, the signals that we're looking for, because this is the things that we want to mention, is, you know, I'm looking at my dog's ears and tails. And, you know, like I was saying when we introduce them, how, where's the position of their tail? Is it high and super stiff? We call, my pit bull gets, I call it scorpion tail. um, And if he has scorpion tail, like, I'm calling him and saying, hey, buddy, why don't you come back over here and be near me? And that's, you know, his tail gets high and super curled over his back and just very taut, right? It might wag back and forth a little bit, but it's not the same as that nice, you know, below his backline waggy, soft tail. Um, same thing with ears or like I just had a situation last week where we had dogs who didn't know each other that well and one dog came to sniff a toy that the other dog had and dog with possession of the toy kind of went, right? And then the first dog immediately went from kind of curiosity of, whoa, what do you have to you know, he puffed up, got very tall, his, Mm -hmm. he leaned forward, his ears got very perked up and right. And that I had that one moment to kind of snatch him up out of there and say, hi, I I don't think so. Um, but I was right there right on top of them to, to stop that. But those are the things that I'm looking for, right. Tension, um, a dog, like a dog who's maybe has a resource, like, and you come near and they stop eating and just get very still and stare mm. right those are all of those things that lead up to i'm gonna bite you <laughs> over this and it's the same with people and dogs i think pretty similar
0: yeah i think when we start Science. looking at it yeah we do realize like oh what do i do if i'm mad or you know and you're like puffing yourself up right. or you know oh, i meant like the dog go like their signs to people and dogs are similar right but also but yeah yes, but yes, I, I think we when we look at what oh, we do like, yeah we do see like oh This does make some sense, Mm -hmm. you know, like I might like narrow my eyes or if I'm scared, I might be like, oh, you
1: know, Um,
0: it does actually start to all make sense when you look
1: at it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I can say not dog to dog, but dog to raccoon. (laughs) Very common. (laughs) Every single time that every single time that it occurred, my dog told me that it was going to happen. She would be in the house, you know, act. Acting like she really needed to go to the bathroom. She wasn't. It she saw something that I didn't see. And they know how to get Yeah. So unfortunately it took me a few times to learn, but now I know if you are really Excited to go outside. We're not going outside. (laughs) Absolutely every (laughs) single day, 30 times a day. Um, so yeah, because it's not just raccoons at 5 a.m., it's also groundhogs, possum, squirrel, bird, or spin a turtle. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's there. You just, you know, and I've had this dog for seven years and, I missed it right and you know it was something new that i didn't understand you weren't picking
0: up on yeah yeah but it's like i always feel like they're trying to help us. several like, times they right. try so
1: hard one. to yeah,
2: yeah they do
3: yeah yeah
2: and this uh it's not really a body language thing but well you've had that dog for seven years right we haven't resolved the small animal <laughs> killing situation is <laughs> that we had to remember that genetics are a thing yeah they're dog right they're- Terriers, Terriers are fed yes. to kill vermin,
1: and that is mm-hmm. just she's just helping you. Right? Yeah, <laughs> she's helping keep the vermin out. I mean she so, cuddles with tiny kittens and right. puppies, but if it's it's a vermin. If it, it's a vermin. And so it's it's, yeah. it's,
2: it's important to remember absolutely. genetics are
1: very important.
2: Yeah. Um and choosing the right dog for your yes. family. Yeah. 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 But you know, if you have a, a terrier dog who, after seven years, still wants to like, you know, kill small game that's running away, well, you know, I mean, that's up there. probably forks. You could, you could like probably
3: a, join one of those clubs in New Mm-mm.
1: York City that they go in and... I don't like, want to be in this club. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they take nope. out the, the, the rats yeah, in New the York City. The rat mitigation nope. team or something. <laughs> the nope. rat mitigation No, Nope. But they exist. You not know. interested. No? Okay. Not at all. But yeah. Soon.
0: So, okay. die we started to touch on this before. This is always, like... Every dog owner I feel like has a horror story. You're out walking your dogs Ah. and another, like a loose dog comes up to you and, you know, it gets into a fight situation. We had this happen, About a year ago, you know, like we were walking by the school near our house. Somebody was on the other side of like the fields with an off-leash dog. I thought we were like, we had plenty of room. And nope, this dog just came hauling ass across the field and went right at Nino. And
1: And they're yelling, don't worry, he's uh friendly. uh
0: And Tim, you know, and then that gets into a situation where Tim's getting (laughs) into a fight. He's very protective of Nino. Like, I know you, especially where you live, you Mm -hmm. encounter different things, Mm -hmm. you know, and, like, you have, like, the whole Batman utility belt (laughs) with (laughs) With you. That's uh, a good description. Implements. That is great. You know. Implements. To to, to prevent this from happening. Whereas, like, we live in a neighborhood, you know, it's maybe happened, I don't know, four times in 18 Mm -hmm. years. Right. And I, you know, and I don't expect it. But then that throws me more off base when, you know, it happens. Right. So... How can we break up a fight? Is there a way to prevent a fight in that kind of situation? Um, and what can we do to like protect everyone?
3: Well, there's obviously different steps. Like for me, I have my bat Batman implement <laughs> thing, and I carry a, a long riding crop, and carry an air horn, and and uh, uh, bear spray, and all that kind of stuff. Um, because I live in the woods and we have stray dogs and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Um, so I try to prepare myself, but for somebody in a neighborhood, it's a different story. If it's a one-off situation, typically, um, Nino is a larger dog, but if you have a smaller dog, people tend to pick up their dogs. Do not do this. I even, have done it to myself and I've gotten bit in the rear end when I've done it. Um, <laughs> oh my. by picking up a-, a smaller dog, you make not only the dog a target, you they make you make it makes you a target. So the best thing to do is to step in front of your dog if your dog trusts you and hopefully you can keep them under control and to take a stance of shouting at the incoming dog and using your body presence as a as a hopefully stopping be
2: super big and bad.
3: Yeah. Uh and 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 making your voice very loud. If you happen to have an umbrella with you because it's raining yeah. that day, you you open the umbrella. If you have treats, I also carry treats in my Batman um apparatus. You can throw treats in the direction of the dog. Stop an incoming dog that might be like, oh good stuff and everything. So there's, you know, there's things you can keep here. If you have a whistle, you could blow the whistle. Um, but trying to put yourself between you and the dog is the best thing to do. If the dog makes contact, it goes back to what we had talked about before, you know, grabbing the don't putting your hip, don't put your hands in between the two dogs. You will get bit um, using the collars as a chokeout device. Um, for either dog, depending like if you if you happen to have a bigger dog and even though your dog wasn't the aggressor and it was a little dog, but your dog gets the little dog in its mouth. You use your own dog, you know, your own dog's collar to choke out your dog. Um, hoping that the owner does come to
0: retrieve its dog and trying to get it apart. Um, <laughs> Can I just tell you that what made Tim so angry the last time it happened to us? Was that this person was in like no hurry? Yeah, and just sauntering across, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and always, and that was that's, that's always the case. So angry, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, and then 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 they don't want to get a, get involved in it either. Like they're afraid of getting their dog off of your dog, Um kicking, Uh you know, <laughs> all unsafe reactions. I'm sorry, yeah, but. <laughs> I will do everything I can to protect my dog. So if there's an incoming dog charging, I'm using my body parts to stop it. I'm kicking, I'm yelling. Um, am I adding energy? Yes. But at that point to stop the un- incoming dog, you kind of have to, you know, I know we said don't add energy when you're having a you know, a dog fight at home, but at this point you're trying to prevent them from coming in at the dog. A lot of loose dogs who are rushing, um,
2: I mean, I have not really experienced this on walks per se, but we do uh, take the dogs to the beach every once in a while, and there's always someone whose dog is off-leash, and you know, it's not that my dogs are never off-leash at the beach, but you know, they recall when I tell them to, and I don't allow them to rush other dogs, so um, you know, we really try to pay attention, or they drag a really long leash, Um, but a a lot of dogs, unless a dog is really coming with aggressive intention just standing and squaring your shoulders to that dog and bellowing at them. And I mean, like I'm not talking high pitch, like it's like big, deep, the deepest sound you can pour. And, and just like, I usually say out or no or whatever. Um, a lot of dogs will kind of be like, Whoa. Right. Right.
1: Nobody's ever yelled at me before. My mom doesn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I too
2: put my dogs behind me. Um, if my dog has, if, if I trust my own dog's obedience enough, I will put them in a down and then turn to deal with the, the loose dog. Um, I also in places like that. So on, um, when I walk, I also have a riding crop on the beach. I take a lacrosse stick because, um, that's a normal beach thing that people like <laughs> i bring my like riding crop to the beach weird. <laughs> but the <Holoprostick laughs> is you know a totally normal viable beach toy um so nobody looks at you weird umbrellas are really good so opening an umbrella like in the face of a charging dog will make most of them be like okay right so just doing that uh recently i saw You know, somebody saying using a walking stick that has like a burl on the end of it and just feeding the end of that to that dog and being like, yeet, get out of here. Um, But I will say any of those things, like if you are going to use an umbrella, for example, to to if, if you walk somewhere where dogs charge you re- you know regularly and you want to do that, is to desensitize your own dog, dog mm. to the sound or noise or whatever of what you're going to use, right? So if I sh- open that umbrella and scare the crap out of that dog, but I also scare my own dog who, because I'm not paying attention to them, yanks the leash out of my hand and hightails it away, well, now I got two loose dogs. So just, you know, there's lots of things out there. Uh, what's that thing called? Doggy don't. I think it makes like a. But
3: it's a high pitch.
2: The doggy don't, I think, makes like a taserish sound. So it's not an, it's not a taser, <laughs> but it makes the same. I may carry that, that too. That um. clicking, that high, that really loud, like clicking sound that oh. tasers make. Um, I mean, it is startling. <laughs> oh, I've never <laughs> or, heard of that. Or, uh, What's the other one? The compressed air. Pet corrector. Yeah, pet the corrector, pet corrector yeah. makes that really... It's a
1: really loud compressed air sound. That's another one I'll keep around the house if I have yeah. an older dog coming into the house. That, you know. Although I have found that some dogs will desensitize right. to
2: that. So and then they're like, oh, that <laughs> compressed air So
1: my dogs are <laughs> petrified of it. So I try not to really use it that yeah. But as a... You know, some of these dogs straight from the shelter or whatever haven't been exposed yeah, to it. But after... After a few times, it doesn't work to tell puppies no, because then they're like, whatever. It's like, a, you know, right. the desensitization. But yeah. I,
2: I mean, if I'm walking in and a loose dog charges me, I'm not above... Pretty much anything to yeah. to protect the, the the dog. Now I'm not out to like injure that dog, but I mean, if we're somewhere where I can maybe pick up like a handful
1: of rocks and chuck those, you know, any of that stuff. You're like, protecting yourself too, right? Because yeah. you don't know what this is gonna happen.
2: So I mean, you. always that. But I think generally things like a walking stick or um, like I, in my I live in a really rural area, and all the people I pass jogging are carrying various forms of sticks, mm. and I still have yet to be like socially brave enough to to slow down on the road and be like hi why does everybody around here walk with like a stick and not just like you know not walking sticks like one lady carries like a it looks like a piece of banister, like it's like a spindle from a banister. I'm like, okay. So I don't. It's like there's something I, think I, should, I should know about out. my neighborhood say, because so cool. I've
1: seen it like quite a few Maybe times. You should Google it or something like, and find is out. Is there like a loose dog or like a wild
2: animal? I don't know. Like here. wild boars you know, attacking? like I mean, we have like coyotes and stuff, but I mean, to my knowledge, they're not attacking people during the day. Um, I think doing all that those things, and then the other one too that I do is. If I'm walking, if we take one of our dogs out, who's not necessarily social, right? So like a couple of my dogs, if a loose dog runs up on them, like, mm, it won't be the end of the world unless that dog's aggressive. But a couple of dogs, I'm like, if your dog gets over here, um,
3: We're gonna have a you're going to be going to the vet yeah.
2: or like people who let dogs approach them in the lobby. I'd be like, if you want to be the next person in the back, <laughs> let that dog come over here because you're going to yeah. get a really quick ticket to go get some stitches. Um is if i'm out like with my husband like at the beach we have this like tag team system where i take the dog and walk away without looking back because i don't want to be like backtracking running like i just turn and like leave and he is the buffer Mm -hmm. um or we'll take like a buffer dog (laughs) sacrifice dog um who you know i know if if a dog is like coming and they're like absolutely going to approach a dog like that's the one that's safe and i take the sketchy one Mm -hmm. and like just get out of dodge um and we've had to do that a couple different times right where you know i just say okay bye and you know he just turns and he is the buffer so i mean obviously you're not always going to have a second person but if you do um knowing (laughs) what your plan is is helpful and that system has developed
1: over quite a few loose dogs rushing. The beach. <laughs> I think that also brings up a great point. The vet office is one of the worst places. Be, just be a huge advocate for your dog. I am, um, have been really looked at horribly by a lot of people who their dog is coming to visit. And I'm like, we don't do that. No, no, thank you. Nope. We don't, we don't, we don't say hi. We don't say hi. It, like, I mean,
2: no. I love to hug people with unknown illnesses in the doctor's right. office, right? <laughs> <you> guys,
1: yeah. <laughs> so I like really advocate every your day. Dog.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. that's a really important Yeah, point.
1: And and then yeah. your dog will learn a level of trust with you as well. Like, my mommy, for your shit. She <laughs> so they know that when you go into a situation, they don't have to be scared. They don't have right. to because you are always gonna put a stop to anything approaching them. Yeah,
0: one thing with the vet office, uh, with uh i think with kalua she didn't like going there she got older and we would just kind of keep her in the car yeah. um and we would just say you know hey we're out in the car and they would just wave to us when they were ready for us mm-hmm. to come in you know so we weren't you know sitting there in for 20 minutes That's or right. something, so that stuff, yeah, yeah if that,
2: you're listening and you're a person who lets your dog visit in the d- vet waiting lobby please stop doing that <laughs> I if don't you know. Use a retractable
1: leash, please. Stop doing that too. Yeah. Right.
2: But that's a that's a a big one. That's yeah. in the lo- in the lobby.
0: Yes. All right. Have we missed anything? Do we have cover it all?
2: I'm. Whew. We've covered many extra yeah. things. So. I think
3: we've got everything. I mean, I'm sure as we as I drive home, I'll I'll think of some other stuff. Saying, "Ooh, I should have said that," but um, she'll invite you back. <laughs>
2: too late. Now you've created like ten more podcasts for
0: I know. <laughs> I have. So good job. I know. No, I think I think we're good. All right, thank you, ladies. I appreciate you having this conversation about this topic. I feel like there's not enough information and and not enough conversation around it, and so I really appreciate you all being vulnerable, sharing you know your experiences with us because I, I think it's important and it's how we spread the information.
3: Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it.
0: I really love doing these roundtable episodes, and thank you again to Diana, Nicole, and Nikki for your time, for so vulnerably sharing with us. I am always so grateful to the dogs who have brought all of these amazing people into my life. It really does all go back to my Lucy if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for Tim really pushing us to get a dog. I wouldn't have any of this in my life, and I, I couldn't imagine what that would look like. I'll have links in the show notes if you want to find out more information about working with Diana or Nikki as a trainer. They're both located in Maryland, in the sort of west of Baltimore area, out towards the Frederick area. And of course, if you're interested in adopting a dog from Nicole, you can contact Pities and Purrs Rescue in Baltimore. Again, I'll make sure I have a link in the show notes. I also want to make sure we thank our audio engineer, Chuck Nunn, who took time out of his very busy day to sit with us and make sure that we were able to record everyone. That's a very important part of doing the podcast. I think we covered some really great information. And again, I'll have links in the show notes for you, breaking out some of the do's and don'ts and some of the step-by-step processes. I'll also have links to some of the resources that we mentioned. I know there was rescuesmart.net, which really has amazing information and also things like the doggy don't and the pet corrector which are great things to keep on you if you're out walking out and about, or if you're at a dog park, something like that can stop a dog right in its tracks. And remember, if you have any questions at any time, you can always feel free to find me on social media. I'm at Believe in Dog Podcast on Facebook, at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores on Instagram, or you can always shoot me an email. That's Erin, E-R-I-N, at Believe in Dog Podcast dot com. Before I let you go, I just wanted to give a little bit of a teaser for the next episode, which will be coming out on August 29th. We're going to be talking with author Meredith May about a shy and fearful dog who entered her life and completely turned her life upside down in the best way possible. I'm super excited about this episode coming out, and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. I actually think it's a really good companion episode to the roundtables because we again get into discussing so much of our own emotions and how these dogs affect our life and make us reflect upon ourselves. And I just love having those kinds of conversations. I also have some more great episodes for you coming up. I know in September, we have an episode with a woman who created an app to help you decide what dog breed is the best choice for your family and your lifestyle. And it also connects you with resources on where to find these dogs, whether it be a rescue or otherwise. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button on Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening to your podcasts. So you won't ever miss an episode. And if you'd be so inclined, one of the most amazing things that you can do is leave a five star rating and review in your podcast app. I have a link in the show notes that'll take you right to where to do that on Apple Podcasts. But I think if you have Spotify or Podcast Addict, they each have their own way to do that also. For any podcast that you listen to, one of the greatest compliments that you can give to the host of that podcast is leaving those five-star ratings and reviews. Your words really mean a lot to us and it also helps more people find us. So that'll do it for this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. Until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Leave and Dog Podcast is a production of Hugs and Belly Robes, LLC.